hit him with the follow back so I can DM. Joey, it worked like an absolute charm. Flawless execution. Even had this one Twitter random dude in there in the thread trying to blow up my spot. Like, yo, why don't you just post the odds here? He said he would take any amount. Like, hey, bro, why do you think? Because I don't give a shit about the bet. The bet? $250? What's $250? I just wanted that 1 in 1,000 follow. Come on, son. I'm not new to this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that that was funny. So if the listeners don't know or if they don't follow you on Twitter, which they can at Ben Hover, they would see that Ben and Adam Levitan, the Adam Levitan himself, made a bet uh, yesterday. And the bet was made because on one of Adam Levitan's podcasts that I was listening to, he and Evan Silva were talking about, you know, the one and only Darius Slayton, and they were just disrespecting Darius Slayton, okay? Absolutely. Calling him a bust, uh, saying that Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard were better picks at ADP than Darius Slayton. So me, listening to the podcast, I immediately texted Ben, because we're basically a Darius Slayton podcast at this point. And I was like, yo, they are disrespecting Darius Slayton. So fast forward a couple days on Twitter yesterday, somebody tagged Evan Silva in your tweet about Darius Slayton and Golden Tate saying that, you know, you're basically a fish if you draft Golden Tate above uh, Darius Slayton. And somebody tagged Evan Silva, and then Evan Silva tagged Adam Levitan, and then Levitan responded to the tweet and was like, yo, put your money where your mouth is. And Ben was like, all right, bet. (laughs) So, (laughs) so ended up getting a nice little bet on there, and hopefully Darius Slayton pulls through for us because that, that'd be huge for the DFS dose. I mean, you could go and see the, the full bet details on Ben's Twitter that I mentioned a couple uh, seconds ago. But yeah, that's, that's yeah. pretty much the backstory and it's pretty funny. Yeah. You know, I got 250 riding on Darius Slayton. You know, if Slayton outscores uh, Sterling Shepard in PPR points by the end of the season, then Adam Levitan is going to be featured on an episode of this podcast in 2021. So you guys can look forward to that. Obviously, Slayton is going to blow Shepard out of the water. You know, Shepard wins. I just got to send Levitan a quick 250 and then beg him to be on the pot anyway. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's nothing major. But, you know, I, I just want to take this chance to sort of segue into another uh, Darius Slayton-centric topic. You know, Joey kind of laughed at me when I tossed this idea out there. But, you know, I am officially creating and, and taking part in the Godius Challenge. And what the Godius challenge is, is basically to, you know, enter the DraftKings Millie Maker every single week. And I realized when I was originally thinking of this, that the Giants won't be on the main slate every week. Like they're not on the main slate in week one, but every viable Millie Maker where Darius Slayton is a draftable player, enter a Darius Slayton centric lineup into the Millie Maker. And then one day when he binks it for me, I'm getting Godius tatted somewhere on my skin joey my question to you is why are you opting out of this challenge is it because your body is a sacred temple to you and you don't want to you know disgrace it with ink or you know is it that your confidence in slayton is only just a facade for the pod caught me in a real bind right now uh (laughs) so i mean 
you know, it's not that I don't like tattoos, but I, I just don't see myself getting any tattoos unless, you know, I have kids or something. Um, but I mean, I have all the confidence in the world that Darius Slayton will perform this year, except I just don't think it's optimal to, you know, just plug in a player for a challenge. Although it is, it is a good challenge. It's pretty funny. And, you know, if it's one person that's going to win one of us a million dollars, it's going to be Darius Slayton. So no, no way. I'd rather have it. Maybe I'll do like a short two, three minute review on the Godius lineup on the on the DFS Dose YouTube channel or something. We'll see how it goes. I mean, really, I'm just, again, thinking ahead, trying to think about ways that I could get Godius to get on this podcast. If I got to get Godius inked on me to do it, I'll do it. We'll have him on here one day for sure. I'll do anything. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, and as always, I'm joined by Joey Carrion. Last week, we took a look at FanDuel's Week 1 NFL prices. This week, we're taking a look at DraftKings Week 1 NFL prices that came out last Friday, a few days after FanDuel's. Longtime listeners of the show will know that Joey and I have a distinct preference when it comes down to which site we enjoy more for NFL DFS. You know, we like to stack crowns over here, full PPR, three-point bonuses, all of that. It's always been DK for us as a podcast, so we're excited to dig into this slate with some broad stroke perspective sort of views, and then we'll close the show out with a couple of bets between the two of us that we've been debating behind the scenes. But before we do any of that, Joey, would you mind telling the people how they can support the podcast? As always, you can support the DFS Dose by subscribing or following us on every major podcast platform, which includes Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, and even Podcast Addict. If you would like, you can leave a rating and a review, just five stars, of course. And then you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the DFS Dose. And then you could uh, go to our website, recently published website, thedfsdose.com. And as we're recording this, I'm currently wearing the DFS Dose shirt, which you can buy on the website at thedfsdose.com. If you want, we still have you know some sizes available, so go ahead and purchase a shirt if you would like to support us but yeah that's that's the best way to support us just uh give us a follow on the podcast give us a follow on twitter and leave a review do it absolutely let's get into it DraftKings week one nfl prices joey the first thing that stood out to me just looking at the top of the line is that christian mccaffrey is 10k to start the season he first hit 10k in week nine, and he never dipped below that price again. Are you surprised that DraftKings is starting him off at 10K to start the season, or is it just sort of a function of, you know, the workload that he's going to get, and if he's any cheaper, he would just be 40% owned every week? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this price was a pretty obvious, you know, you knew that DraftKings was going to price Christian McCaffrey as the highest back in above 10K. I mean, he's at a flat 10K right now, and rightfully so. Uh, best running back by far last year, just a crazy workload, and we really don't see that uh, reducing this season. So I'm not surprised 
by McCaffrey being at 10K. Yeah, neither am I. He is the only 10K player on the slate. Michael Thomas saw 10K at a couple points last year, but what's Michael Thomas at? Michael Thomas is at 9K at home against the Buccaneers and... You know, it's pretty expensive for a wide receiver, but I think Michael Thomas's ceiling is obviously the highest out of any wide receiver on the slate, especially at home where he averaged almost 29 points per game on DraftKings last year, which is crazy. It's just astronomical. To put, to put that into perspective, he averaged 19.9 points per game on the road which is still crazy like that's still a good fantasy day so 29 points per game is just absolutely incredible and he has probably you know the easiest matchup on the slate going up against the bucks which could also be the highest scoring game on the slate the only thing with that to me is that while McCaffrey's workload I think is justifiably like 3k higher than Austin Eckler's I don't know if you know Michael Thomas's targets are going to be over 2k better than like Devontae Adams or Mike Evans or Hopkins so I I don't know I like as always I'll probably look to pay down in the majority of my lineups at wide receiver and and get some of those mid-range upside guys but you know we'll get into the deep dive you know specifics of building lineups and and like how we're looking at that as we get closer to week one but what are some like general things that you notice some misprices and stuff like that when you first uh notice that DraftKings put their prices up yeah I think a team or a game if you want to say that is mispriced that you know we were talking about before we started recording is the Eagles Redskins game Um, Washington football team Sorry, <laughs> excuse me. I don't want to offend anybody. Washington football team, going to have to get used to saying that. So the Eagles are going into Washington uh, at 1 o'clock uh, for week one. And Carson Wentz is relatively cheap at 6.3K. And then you take a look at some of the Eagles wide receivers. And we have uh, Jalen Rager at, what, 4.3K. Zach Ertz is only 5.8K. Deshaun Jackson is 4.9K on DraftKings. So we see some some very cheap Eagles options in arguably the best matchup on the board. Yeah, and it doesn't stop there. Miles Sanders is the 10th highest priced running back at 6.3 below guys like Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon. And then you look at the other side of the game, there aren't too many Washington football players that you'd like to play. But I mean, at 5K, I think Haskins is playable in GPPs. And F1, Mm -hmm. Terry McLaurin at 5.6 as, you know, priced as a wide receiver three is the 25th highest priced wide receiver. I mean, for the upside that he has on a week to week basis and a team that has been traditionally a pass funnel in the Eagles, like absolutely give me all the Terry McLaurin. He will be matched up against my boy, Darius Slay. Uh, the second greatest Darius in the NFL, but but even still, I mean, at, at that price tag with that upside, I love McLaurin in week one on both sides. Yeah, but um, the, does Darius Slade travel? I mean, he did with the Lions a lot, but I mean, who knows? I mean, he will be reunited with Jim Schwartz, but, you know, it's hard to say how he'll be used on a new team, honestly. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, but either way, I still like both sides of that game. I mean, both defenses... They're not bad, but they're not overly great as well. Another guy that I think is clearly mispriced is Hayden Hurst. And I know we talked about him with the FanDuel segment last week as well, but 
both FanDuel and DraftKings have severely underpriced Hayden Hurst's first projected role, and he has one of the softest tight end matchups on the board against Seattle with Atlanta hosting Seattle week one. I do think that the pricing is a little bit tighter in terms of the tight ends with DraftKings. Like Hayden Hurst is much more vastly underpriced on FanDuel, whereas, you know, Mike Gesicki is right there for only 200 more and I think has arguably a larger share of his team's targets in Miami, or he will. TJ Hawkinson for 100 less than Hurst is interesting to me, uh, all the way down at 4,200. And also... Josh Oliver is not min price, Joey. He's 2,900, 400 above min price. Is DraftKings on the bandwagon that you began? <laughs> hey, they, they might, you know, know something with Josh Oliver and how he's going to be the starting tight end in Jacksonville. And if that's the case, if we get, if we get some reports confirming that he is going to be the starter above, Eifert, yeah. If he's going to be the starter above Eifert week one, it's hard not to lock him into the into the Millie. Absolutely. Into the Millie you maker. Talk sub 1%. There you go. It's right there. Yeah, great, great value tight end if he is indeed the starter week one. But Let me ask you this. You brought up Jalen Rager, who I think is definitely mispriced for the role he should have with the Eagles. But do you think that we should be avoiding rookies in week one, maybe even more so than we usually do. Yeah, I think avoiding rookies in week one could be a very uh, optimal strategy. Like we've been talking about over the previous uh, couple episodes of this podcast, you know, the, the COVID has impacted like training camps and OTAs and the rookies had virtual off seasons. Uh, so there's definitely less time for the rookies to learn the playbook, to get used to how their quarterback throws or plays, to how the offense runs, to make that transition from college football to the NFL. So I think it's definitely in play to avoid rookies in week one, although there are some very, very enticing matchups that some of these rookies have, like we just mentioned with Jalen Rager, some some guys above them like Chanel, LaVisca Chanel is 4,400. He's pretty cheap. Devin Duvernay, who's 4.4K and should see or should be the wide receiver two in Baltimore. So, I mean, there's some good matchups for these rookies, but I would largely avoid them week one. I mean, Devin Duvernay is definitely not the wide receiver two ahead of Miles Boykin, who's only 4.1. No, no, he he definitely is, in my opinion. I, I think they drafted him to be the wide receiver two. Uh, behind Hollywood. Interesting, interesting. See, I thought he was the the Willie Sneed replacement, but I guess we'll find out. Some other things, just real quick. We don't have to spend forever on this because we will definitely be doing a deep dive for this full slate come the season starting. But just real quick, you know, I think the Patriots in general are pretty underpriced going against a, a pretty shaky Miami team. Uh, you know, besides James White, who for some reason is all the way up at 6K. I mean, that's definitely overpriced, but Cam Newton, 6.1, and both receivers are cheap. Sanu, 4.5, Harry at 4.4. I mean, you could definitely load up a uh, a Patriots stack. Although, Joey, there was a report out of uh, Patriots camp today that Cam was actually third in rotation behind Stidham and Brian Hoyer. Is that just like Belichick mind games, making sure he doesn't get too big for his britches? <laughs> Um, I would assume so. I would assume that K 
Cam Newton will be the starter come week one. Although what we have heard from Patriots beat writers for the entirety of Cam Newton being on the Patriots is that it's his job to earn. You know, like he's not the starter as of right now. Jarrett Stidham is. And any of those quarterbacks can be the starter come week one. That's what we've heard. But I would fully expect Cam Newton to be the starter. Uh, I don't see why he wouldn't. I think that he, he provides the Patriots the best talent at the quarterback position out of the three. He will provide, you know, a very versatile offense that Josh McDaniels could work with, especially with his running ability. And, uh, the full, la- the last time Cam, Cam Newton played a full season, he was like third in rushing yards uh, for quarterbacks per game. So that's definitely something to work with and gives him a good floor for week one against uh, the Dolphins. And Xavier Howard just got put on the pup list as well. So he could be activated before season starts. But if he's out week one, that'll leave uh, Jamal Perry as the uh, Dolphins cornerback two opposite Byron Jones, who they signed in the offseason. So that will definitely be a game to target for the Patriots side. Definitely, definitely. And it'd probably be hard to bring back, even though Devontae Parker is a stud with a massive target share. I don't know how I feel about putting him up against one of the top corners in the league there with Gilmore. Mm. Hey, I mean... People will look back to week 17 and see how Parker had his best game against Gilmore. And Gilmore had his worst game of the season uh, last year against against him. So I think people will assume that Devontae can repeat that performance against Gilmore, which I don't believe will happen. But there will be some people out there playing Devontae Parker in week one thinking it's a good play on DraftKings. I don't know about that, but what is a good play in that mid-range of wide receivers on DraftKings is Kenny Galladay, who, I mean, priced at wide receiver 14, just straight disrespectful, 6,200. Maybe, you know, when DK released this, him and him and Stafford were still on the COVID list. But uh, yeah, no shot that Kenny Galladay should be priced at wide receiver 14. Behind guys like Lockett, Diggs, Keenan Allen, DJ Chark. I mean, Galladay is going to be a cash lock and, and a GPP consideration as well. Yeah, I think Galladay is severely underpriced for his role in the Lions offense. And the Lions have prob- probably the best chance out of any team to go from worst to first. They finished last, right? Yeah, they did. They did. Due to Stafford being hurt. But when Stafford's healthy, the Lions, you know, they're a competitive team. So I would expect Galladay to be, you know, he'll be, he'll be kind of owned week one. I think some people will shy away from the perceived uh, hard matchup against the Bears. But I mean, they start Buster Screen as oh, you know their their yeah. cornerback two behind Kyle Fuller, and Fuller doesn't travel, uh, so they they could exploit that matchup all day long. But I think the Lions' offense is definitely going to be a buy low offense uh, for fantasy this year. Absolutely. Is there anything else that really stands out to you before we move on here? Well, I think I think we've covered pretty much everything. Like you said, we're going to be taking. A deeper look into this going position by position uh, before the season starts. So we'll let the listeners know our our actual deep deeper thinking thoughts then. Yeah, definitely. Make sure you stay tuned for that. We are four short weeks away, exactly four weeks from when you're hearing this. Uh, you'll be listening to our week one breakdown as we prepare for the season. But let's get to our final segment of today's show. A couple of, uh, you know, bets between Joey and myself, you know, we, we we really talk about this stuff. If you if you 
looked in our phones and our texts with each other. We're arguing over players, even when we're not on the pod. That's how it goes. And and sometimes we got to put our money where our mouth is, you know, kind of like Levitan challenged of me on Twitter the other day. So, Joey, do you want to kick us off here? I know that you've been getting real spicy about uh, your Fournette take. And I recently did a video that, you know, basically presented the exact opposite opinion of how you feel about it. So, you want to get this off right now and maybe propose a little bet I can get some action in on with you? A lot of Fournette disrespect has been circling the timeline recently on Twitter. And I, I think everybody that's trashing Fournette, even some guys saying that he's not going to finish as a top 25 back, which is just stupid. I'm sorry. He's going to finish top 25, like, unless he gets hurt or suspended. Like, that's pretty much a guarantee with his workload. The disrespect has gone too far. This is a man that hasn't averaged less than running back one numbers per game ever since he stepped into the NFL. And, you know, some people think that he's dust, that he's washed up going into his fourth year. You know, that Chris Thompson is going to be a factor, a guy that has missed six games or five plus games in the last three seasons and hasn't finished a full season in his his career. And there's some people out there that think Raquel Armstead is going to eat into Fournette's role. No, just no. Fournette will finish as an RB1. He's being drafted as a high-end RB2 at this point, uh, RB15 to be exact. And I personally believe that he will finish as a top 12 running back, and I know you disagree because he is ranked as your 20th back in your rankings, which people can find on the website. Yes. Real quick, speaking of my rankings, I'm doing a massive overhaul right now, and the updated version will be on the site by this weekend, so make sure you check that out. And yeah, Fournette, definitely closer to RB20 for me in this next update than RB1 Disrespectful. I mean... The thing is, and you know, I did an entire video, which you could find on my Twitter right now talking about Fournette. So I don't need to re go over all these points, but you know, the gist of it is that it's a bad team. Uh, the catches are going to come down 40 to 50% in my, you know, estimation. I think that yes, Fournette was top five in red zone carries this season, but as you got closer to the end zone, those carries came down. He was what, like, I think 11th in carries inside the 10, and then he was right around like 19th inside the 5 because the Jags continually fell apart on offense the closer and closer they got. And even when they did get into the range where Fournette was rushing inside the 5, he's probably the least efficient converter of carries inside the 5 into touchdowns. Infamously, you know, he had those three attempts back to back to back where he got stuffed at the 1 just terrible. The Jags are still going to be bad. This team does not like Fournette. They tried to trade him for basically nothing and they failed. Uh, You know, in an upcoming free agency class, it's going to be completely loaded with talent. If somebody in the NFL goes down, Fournette could get traded, you know, on a dime, you know, for a seventh round pick conditional because, you know, they would just be happy to get anything for him at this point. You know, he was bad mouthing Gardner Minshew saying that they should have signed Cam over him, you know, and now the team is fully behind Minshew. Fournette is done with the Jags and I wouldn't be surprised to see him not make it through the year. Give me that bet. Fournette is not finishing top 12. All right. It's a bet. And I just want to say that he mended his relationship with Gardner Minshew Fournette said he's ready to work hard this season. 
and he has mended his issues with the Jaguars organization. I just want to put that out there. I don't know if they've mended it with him, but I, I got you. Let's move on. And I will talk about, uh, you know, we've already talked a little bit about Kenny Galladay, how I think he's overpriced on DK week one. I don't know, Joe, you can tell me if you agree with this or not, but I want to put Kenny Galladay in as a top five wide receiver and specifically I want to know if you'll give me Kenny Galladay over Julio Jones, because I don't think that anybody believes that. I mean, Julio Jones is a consensus second round pick. Galladay is, you know, going around pick 25, so a 2-3 turn type player. Uh, You never see Julio make it to the third round. And Kenny Galladay is a guy that I think is ready to have that next step season. You know, he's been with the Lions. This will be his fourth year. Last year, he had 65 receptions for almost 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns in a season where Stafford missed eight games. I think that he is absolutely ready to have one of those 90 catch for, you know, 1,500 yards and 12 plus touchdown seasons. Just an absolute monster season in his contract year with the Lions. So what do you think about Galladay and, and will you give me Galladay over Julio in PPR points? Yeah, we could, we could do that. I, I think it's a 50-50 bet. I mean, we were talking about it before the podcast started, but I, I think who, I think Julio is obviously still one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in a good offense led by Matt Ryan. And I think Galladay will take the next step that you were just outlining, but I would still take Julio in PPR points. For this year, so we could book that bet. Now, now we didn't really establish how much we were putting on these bets. So, what are you thinking? I would say we should just do standard twenty bucks per bet. You know. All right, cool I that? agree. All right, yeah. So, so yeah. we'll just lay twenty per. You know, call it a unit. One unit is twenty for us. So, I'm with that. All right, just wanted to clear that yep. up. Give me your give me your second bet, and and I think that we could probably do this. You know, maybe two bets each for the next four episodes until the season starts. Really get these popping so we have a sizable record, uh, you know, to to compare and see who really nailed this season better uh, come next offseason. All right. So my second bet, and, you know, you could, you could agree with this, you could not. But I think for this season, Saquon will finish above Christian McCaffrey and PPR points. Um, it's really hard to repeat as being, you know, the RB one or the wide receiver one or quarterback one in back to back seasons. Obviously, there's a lot of variance from each NFL year to year. So I think Saquon will overtake McCaffrey and be the RB one again, just like how he was in his rookie season. How do you feel about that? I mean, I'll obviously take this bet because you're giving me the consensus 101 player straight up against, you know, against anybody I would take that. So yes, I will take this bet. I don't think it's crazy though, just because of the reason you just mentioned, it's extremely hard to repeat. And I think Saquon is, you know, deservedly the consensus 102 pick in drafts. And yeah, I mean, you know, he, he was hurt last year. He was in an offense that was transitioning heavily from, completely different style from the statue Eli Manning uh, at the end of his career to the new Daddy Dimes era in New York. So, you know, I think that the sky is the limit for this Giants offense and Saquon could definitely benefit from that. I think the Giants most likely will have a better offense than the Panthers. So that helps. And and yeah, I mean, it, it's a good bet. Very 50-50, just like the Galladay Julio thing in your eyes. So um, yeah, I mean, I'll take the bet. Give me McCaffrey straight up against anybody, but it's it's not bad. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with everything you said, but 
you know, I'll take my chances with Saquon beating out McCaffrey, both great talents, but yeah, give me Saquon and PPR points over McCaffrey. All right, and then this final one here, I mean, this is easy for me, you know, just basically a free mm-hmm. deposit into my checking account, so I'll be looking forward to this by the end of the year, but I've got Gronk finishing outside of the top 12 at tight end. He will not be a tight end one, just no shot. You know, there there's like, 15 other tight ends i think i've got gronk ranked as my tight end 20 right now might even push him down Which a couple spots behind some guys like irv smith and blake jarwin get him around that 22 23 range in this new update but yeah i, I have absolutely no desire to have gronk on my team injury prone washed probably the third best tight end behind oj howard and bray on this roster so yeah definitely not finishing top 12 and the fact that you'll give me those odds is phenomenal Oh, I have no words. I literally have no words. You're putting him above, or you're putting him below guys like Jarwin and Irv Smith Jr. And you said Cameron Bright and OJ Howard were better than Gronkowski? At this point, I mean. Gronkowski is the best tight end of all time and will show everybody why he came out of retirement to go to Tampa Bay with the GOAT. He is going to catch 10 touchdowns this year. And if he catches 10 touchdowns, even if he, you know, catches 50 balls, 60 balls for 700 yards, 10 touchdowns will automatically boost him into tight end one territory. It doesn't take much for, you know, a tight end to finish as a tight end one in fantasy. So I'll take those odds all day. Give me Gronk. Give me his talent and give me his chemistry with Brady all day, every day. Gronk is a tight end one in fantasy football in 2020 could even finish as the overall tight end one. <laughs> oh my god you're funny um yeah i mean if you're right like 700 yards and and 10 touchdowns would definitely get him there but i mean when he finishes with like 40 catches for like 300 yards and four touchdowns it's not happening so i don't think that's in his range of outcomes to finish that low unless he gets hurt which leads me into saying that you know if any of these guys in these bets get hurt then the bet should be voided and what should the minimum game threshold be like 12 or 13 i'll give you 12 that they have to play so the players in these bets have to play 12 games or more for the bet to qualify you know one guy plays 16 and the other guy plays i eight obviously that player is gonna outscore the the guy so call it a standard 12 game threshold for all these bets all right, 12 game threshold, 20 bucks on each, so a total of $80 for these four bets. And we already have some bigger bets on the website if people want to check that out in regards to CEH and the Patriots win total. But yeah, I mean, we're going 6 and 0, so. Yeah, we'll see. And and I'm going to cook up some other things I can get you to bite on for next week's episode but i think that's all we've got for episode 81 of the DFS Dose podcast like Joey mentioned at the top of the show can follow us on twitter at the dfs dose instagram youtube same handle across all platforms we've really been getting active on youtube lately uploading clips almost daily from the show so if you uh you know don't want to listen to the full show just want to share a clip with somebody you know you know we have our moments we can be funny sometimes so you know you can share that off youtube in a very nice short easy to digest way you can also follow our personal twitters 
at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. I mean, Adam Levitan follows me, one out of under a thousand people he follows. So, I mean, obviously it's good content. Make sure you get on there. And don't forget, you can follow Joey as well. Tell them where they can find you. You can find me at Joey Carey and DFS. And, you know, I don't have the pleasure of getting followed by Adam Levitan or Peter Overzet like my colleague does. So, you know, if you don't want to follow me, I, I understand. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I think that you'll get that Levitan follow after he comes on the show next offseason. Oh, yeah, I got to... <laughs> <laughs> Gotta impress him after Darius Slayton sells us to the money in 2020. Yep, absolutely. And we will talk to you guys next week.